Amen. Let's look in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Got a hum up here somewhere, Mike. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 and actually read the whole chapter. And uh, we want to share a message entitled The Mystery of Christ. For this calls I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may... Uh, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, uh, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, whom am least than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath made hid in, uh, has had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access by with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he might grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge, uh, passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now in him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that ye ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You still got a hum up here, Mike, so I don't know what you got turned on back there. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, we're thankful for the uh, Holy Spirit directed the Apostle Paul to pen for us to read. I pray that we might be able to comprehend and understand uh, the working and the way of Christ in our lives and as individuals in the church as a body of Christ. Uh, certainly, Lord, we desire and long for Christ to be glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do. And so I pray that you'd bless us in the preaching of the word of God today. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, that they might come to know who Christ is. They might believe and they might be saved. And Lord, their life will never be the same. 
I pray for every believer this morning that we might uh, grab a hold of this great mystery of Christ, the mystery of the working of Christ in each of our lives. And Lord, that we might rejoice in the goodness and the power of our God. I pray for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 3 and 4 is our text verse in this chapter. And then we're going to go through and look at several verses in the chapter. But in verse 3, Paul says, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, uh, ye may understand uh, my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So the mystery of Christ. It's amazing that Paul would talk about in chapter 5 of uh, Ephesians about the mystery. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It would be also the Apostle Paul that would mention in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51, uh, show you a great mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. And there's things that are mysterious in how God's moves and how God blesses. And the Apostle Paul is one of the writers of the New Testament that mentions and tries to identify to help us to grab a hold of the reality of the mystery of Christ. Uh, he was The Apostle Paul was a great Christian. Uh, he was a man who was consistent uh, in his preaching and in his work for the Lord, his ministry. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, uh, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Um, he would say that because that was his character. He was a man who was always consistent, preaching the same message, preaching the word of God, revealing the people the way to the cross that they might be saved. That's your next point there, April, consistent. And uh, he not only was he consistent, but he was compassionate. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, Paul would said, Brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. And uh, Paul, when he got saved, he got a good dose of salvation and he never got over it, and he was concerned for others that they might come to the knowledge of what it means to be born again and to be able to have everlasting life. And so he was a consistent man. He was a compassionate man. Uh, he was a man who was conscious of souls. In uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 26, Paul said, I am free from the blood of all men. His hands were clean from the blood of all men because the apostle Paul took whatever opportunities God would give him to tell people how to be saved. And what a challenge it is to you and I that as we live our Christian life, God wants us to be reaching out to others and testifying of his grace that can save their soul. And uh, I, I was thinking, I was listening to this guy the other day and he was saying about how aggressive Christianity is. And I thought, good night, you look at different religions in the world, you talk about being aggressive. Uh, Christians are loving and caring and they're concerned for others and yes they pre present people and confront people with the gospel of Christ the grace of God the mercy of God being extended to them and Paul never backed off from that and I think we as believers uh, need to realize that the answer or the hope that we have for America is going to be believers standing for Christ being consistent being compassionate and being conscious of our opportunities that we have to lead people to the Lord. And so, you know, he was a man that knew how to get a hold of God. And I like to be around people who can get a hold of God. He was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, he was a man who was in, intellectually had the ability to persuade others to come to Christ. Matter of fact, witnessing to King Agrippa, he got King Agrippa to the point where he said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And I mean, it's just amazing to track the life of the Apostle Paul uh, through the New Testament and read his epistles that he wrote for us. In this chapter, though, I want us to focus on Paul's revealing the mystery of Christ through the church. And I want to look at some things here that he mentions in this chapter about the mystery of Christ. First of all, I see the man, the preacher. The man, the preacher, in verse 7 and 8, says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am least than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ the man the preacher and uh, you know I believe God wants us to preach the word of God we, as a matter of fact uh, we need a preacher to preach in the nursing homes uh, we just had got contacted from another nursing home, another situation where they want us to come in once a month and preach. I'm glad that we have a testimony with the different nursing homes that when they want somebody to come preach, they call Ocean County Baptist Church. Amen. And what does that mean? That means, hey, some of you fellows, you need to get ready to preach. Amen. You need to get a hold of Jim Nor, he'll line you up. And the first place I ever preached that was in the nursing home. It scared me to death. I think I scared the residents to death. Uh, we didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. They didn't understand what I was about. But I'll tell you, when we all got done, we rejoiced in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the man, the preacher, it's an amazing thing, the mystery of Christ, that he would work through an individual. Not anybody particular. Uh, not, not, not any certain credentials. That God would take and call and work through his will and his grace in our life. I see that Paul, the man, the preacher, uh, had a humble, he was humbled to preach. Notice in verse 7, it was because he was gifted by the grace of God. And it says, I was made a minister. He didn't say, I am a minister. He said, I was made a minister. And here's how, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. When we talk about preaching, we talk about the mystery of Christ and moving through the preacher, realize this, it is Christ doing the work. It is the grace of God that's moving in the heart of an individual. And I believe that God can use each of you men in a great way to be a proclaimer of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ if you just say, here am I, Lord, send me. If you just be willing to say, if there's a need to preach, I'll do the preaching, amen. And get into the nursing home, get out onto the street, uh, get into the Sunday school class, uh, get in the junior church, get out wherever it is and start preaching the word of God. You say, I just can't do that. I'm not a minister. Let the mystery of Christ work God's grace in your heart to humble you. It's not about you. It's about what God can do through you. And so he was gifted by grace. I think of the man, the preacher, was guarded by grace. And you say, well, wait a minute. I just don't know what I'm saying sometimes. I listen. I read over some of my old sermons. Those poor people, and I had to listen to those sermons. And uh, I didn't know what I was talking about. Half the time, I don't know what I'm talking about now. But anyway, 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now listen, God will humble us in this matter of preaching and proclaiming the truths of the word of God. And you need to realize that God will guard you in the process. I'm thankful that God puts a watch over our mouths. I'm thankful that God puts a watch care over top of us to put a hedge of protection around us. I'm glad that God will work his will and way by his grace. And you can depend upon the fact that it's not about what your talents and your abilities are. It is about the grace of God that has been extended to you. So I see this mystery of Christ that he would humble a man for the purpose of just proclaiming the truths of the word of God. You know, the Apostle Paul had a great pedigree when you take and look at his background, at his position as a Jew. But that meant nothing when it came time for preaching the word of God. It was completely by the grace of God. So not only was he gifted by grace and guarded by grace, but uh, uh, he was guided by grace. In uh, Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, we see the Apostle Paul identifying the grace of God that was directing his life and leading him along in Galatians 6 and verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I'm afraid too many people stand in the pulpit and think they're something, and they're nothing. I know what that is. That's what I used to think. When I first started in ministry, I thought I was somebody. I was all that because I was a preacher, amen? I was excited. I made it through four years. That was in college. That was an amazing event in itself that I got through and uh, that I actually paid my bills and I actually passed the courses. It was an amazing event. When I got my degree, a bachelor's in religious education and God ordained to preach, I got in the pulpit, I'm the preacher, amen? Everybody needs to listen to me. When a man thinks he's something, he's nothing. And we need to remind ourselves about the mystery of God working through an individual that he guides and directs by his spirit, through his grace, the man is humbled. He says, for if I think, if a man think himself to be something, he is nothing, he deceiveth himself, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another guided by the grace of God. Paul, is the apostle Paul would say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And when we talk about men preaching the word of God, believers sharing their faith in Christ, you're gonna be guided by the grace of God to talk to those and get the opportunities God will give you uh, to be able to proclaim his truths. Uh, the man, the preacher is humbled to preach. God's not looking for big shots. He's looking for somebody who just say, okay, God, will you speak through me? He's not looking for a know-it-all. He's looking for someone who is just willing to say, God, I don't understand. Please help me to present this truth the way you want it revealed. He's not looking for someone that can stand on their own. He's looking for somebody that can totally depend upon God and God alone. And so we're guided by grace. Notice he's con uh, convicted by grace. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 3, Paul says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, if I can turn the page, I'll read the rest of it, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so the conviction that comes upon man is by the grace of God, the measure of faith that God gives us. And so the man, the preacher, this great mystery of Christ is that he'll humble a man to preach the word of God. And uh, surrendering to preach the word of God or taking an opportunity to preach the word of God is not about doing it through pride, but rather it's going through a humbling experience because God in his grace would entrust you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just think of that trust that God has given to us to give us the good news, the only means through which somebody can go to heaven, he has given it to us. And so we need God's grace to humble us to preach. But there's also, he's called to preach. He's called to preach. And uh, the uh, prophet Isaiah, the plea of the prophet, was literally crying out uh, for someone to preach the word of God. God's speaking to Isaiah, and we know Isaiah chapter 6, and uh, we often quote it, we often read from it, we often preach from it, but Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And so when we talk about the man, the preacher, Paul reveals to us the mystery of Christ that he would humble us to preach. But not only that, that he would call us to preach. And I believe in 2019, God is still calling men to preach the word of God. And it, listen, age has nothing to do with it. All it, has, all it has to do with is realizing that there is a message that men and women and boys and girls need to hear. And God wants to use a man to be able to proclaim those truths and he wants to use you this morning and I believe God is pleading, who's gonna go for me? Who's gonna preach the word of God? Who's gonna reveal the truths that are in the scriptures? Are you willing to go? Isaiah said, here am I, send me. So I see it's a humble to preach, he's called to preach based on the plea of the prophet, but also based on the plight of the people. In uh, Judges chapter 6, we read the story of Gideon, and as God would call Gideon to go out and fight against the enemy, I believe God is calling us to go out and preach and proclaim the truths against the enemy and uh, to be able to provide deliverance for God's people and deliver, deliverance for those that are lost. But in Judges chapter 6, in uh, verse 12, God is communicating with Gideon and in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, if you know the story of Gideon, he was not a mighty man of valor. He was literally hiding from the Midianites. Uh, he was trying to protect his crops because the Midianites were stealing everything that the Israelites had. And God comes and calls him a mighty man of valor. Let me tell you this. When God humbles you, and God calls you. It doesn't matter what you are without Christ. When you're in Christ, you're a mighty man of valor. And so you're called according to the plate of the people. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? 
And we often talk about, well, I don't understand why things are going on like they are in the world that we live in. I'll tell you why they're going on. Because we have worked God completely out of our society. We work God out of our homes. We work God out of our school systems. We work God out of our politics. And we turn around and say, I don't understand why things are as bad as they are. I'll tell you why they're as bad as they are. Because somebody needs to respond to the call of God because of the plight of the people. I thought it was a good place to say amen. That's why I took a breath. Amen. And where be... Look, he goes on, he says, And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? I don't want to hear about what God did in the past. I want to see God do something in the present. Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee. I think we need a good reminder. We just need to go preach because God's commanded us to go preach. And he has already given the enemy into our hands. In verse 15, he said unto him, O Lord, my, uh, o my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manassas, and I am the least of my father's house. Well, it sounds like the Apostle Paul. He's not looking for any uh, wealthy person. He's not looking for any mighty person. He's just looking for somebody who can humble themselves and respond to the call of God. Notice in verse 16, he says, The Lord said unto me, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt might smite the Midianites as one man. And so the call of the preacher uh, is based upon the plea of the prophet and the plight of the people. Uh, I really don't believe we need more counselors in the pulpits. I really don't think so. I don't think we need philosophers. I don't think we need psychologists. I don't think we need politicians in the pulpit. I think we need preachers in the pulpit. Somebody no longer fears the people and are willing to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. That's what the mystery of Christ is. He moves through the preacher, the man who's willing to stand for Christ, irregardless of what the response is going to be. It's a mystery that God would work through the foolishness of preaching. So I see a humbled to preach. He's called to preach. Christ is to be preached. Notice the, uh, the exaltation of Christ. John chapter 12, Jesus said this. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. There's a whole lot of self, me, I going on in the pulpits. There's an awful lot of teaching from the Word of God that is nothing more than uh, self-esteem and good works and all these different types of things. What about Jesus Christ? Who is He? What has He done? How does He work in your life? The exaltation of Jesus Christ. If we'll lift up Christ, He'll be exalted in our life. He'll be exalted in our ministry. He'll draw all men unto himself. You don't have to draw anybody to Christ. All you have to do is tell them about Christ and lift him up and he'll draw them to himself. So Christ is to be preached. Exaltation of Christ, the fellowship in Christ. In our text in Ephesians 3 and verse 9, he says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. 
The fellowship of the mystery, which is from the beginning of the world, hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. The mystery of Christ is our fellowship is hid in Christ. Not only that, but the wisdom of Christ. In verse 10, he says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so if Christ is preached by exalting him, it increases our fellowship with each other because if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and it enables us to gain the wisdom of God. That's a mysterious thing. Billy Sunday said this. He said, I'm an old-fashioned preacher of the old-time religion. I like that. He goes on to say, that has warmed this cold world's heart for 2,000 years. I'll tell you what's wrong with Christianity if they're trying to find some newfangled thing that doesn't warm the hearts of people. What warms the hearts of people is the preaching of the Word of God. We need to have people that are willing to stand up and thunder across the pulpit who Jesus Christ is and stir people's hearts once again. D.L. Moody said this, I never preach a sermon yet that I could not pick it to pieces. <laughs> I read that quote. I said, I understand exactly what he's saying. He says, I have never preached a sermon yet that I could not pick to pieces and find fault with. I feel that Jesus Christ ought to have a fair, better representative than I. That's the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm the least of the least. I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I have, I have less to offer than anyone else. And D.L. Moody understood what it was. He said that he would, could tear his sermons apart. And oftentimes I preach and when I go home. I'm flooded with my minds of what I said. And I'm like, boy, that was a lousy sermon today. That thing went over like a lead balloon. Nobody got anything out of it. But yet people still get saved. People still get stirred in the faith. Why? Because it's not about who Mike Weigel is. It's about Jesus Christ who has proclaimed his truth through me. So the mystery of Christ, Paul's very clear, the mystery of Christ is there's a man, the preacher, that he works through and that he blesses. So the man, the preacher. There's also the family, which is the church. The mystery of Christ working through the man, the preacher, but working through the family, which is the church. In verse 15 of our text, it says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Listen, we are a part of the family of God. And because we are a part of the family of God, uh, then we have a unique relationship one with another. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, just look at the previous chapter in verse 19. Paul says, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but citizens with the saints. Boy, if there's something we ought to get through our brains and through our hard heads, is when you trust Christ as your Savior, you're no longer a foreigner from God. You're no longer the enemy of God. You trust Christ as your Savior, you're a part of the family of God. You're citizens with the saints and of the household of God. In verse 20 of chapter 2, he says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. 
in whom all the building fitly framed together, growing up, I'm sorry, growing unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. I think it's about time we remind ourselves that the mystery of Christ is He takes all of us from so many various backgrounds, from all these different interests and all these things that we're connected with, and He fits us together upon the rock, the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're the family of God, the church of the living God. So I don't understand that. Of course you don't. It's the mystery of Christ. I don't know how you can do that. We're strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That's in verse 16 of chapter 3 where we read, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The greatest thing that we can do is be strengthened by the move of God and a touch of God. You know, God's Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are the children of God. And the only way that you can experience the fullness of the knowledge of who Christ is, is to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in you. Paul says in chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. It's an amazing thing that God would take and place us in His body, in His church, and that he would strengthen us by his spirit. In Psalm 28 and 8 says, The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. And so the church of Jesus Christ is a family. We're, we're, we're family here, folks. We're not just individuals coming to church on a Sunday morning. You're saved. You're a born-again child of God. You're in the family, amen. And you're on the rock of Jesus Christ. Not only are we strengthened by His Holy Spirit, but we're grounded in the love of Christ. In verse 17 of our chapter where we've been reading, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye may ye being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, there is no greater love that you can experience in the love of Jesus Christ. It is a mysterious thing that God would send His Son into this world to be able to funnel His love into us through His Son who would die on the cross of Jesus, on the cross where Christ died on Calvary. And so we're grounded in the love of Christ, the family, the church. But it's also this love extended to each other. In verse 18 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, say, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, the depth, the height, and here it is, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And so this love that we experience is extended from one to another to another to another. It's a mysterious thing that God's love can be shed abroad in my heart, and that love can be extended to someone else, and that love can be extended to someone else, and that love never runs out. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Why is that? Because we're exercising, extending the love of Christ that's in our hearts. I like what D.L. Moody said. He said, Behold, uh, he said, oh, a church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. We have in recent years downplayed 
the significance and the necessity of being in church. Church is a hit and miss option. Church is, listen, we have church in the morning. We have Sunday school. We have Sunday evening service. We have Wednesday night service. We have youth activities that are going on. We have one program going on. Every, listen, every service is like a transfusion of life that comes from the Lord when you're in church together. When you're not in church, you're damaging yourself. When you're not in church, you're draining the lifeblood of Christ out of your life spiritually. And so we need to recognize, once again, the significance of church attendance. Why? Because it's the family that's the church. Chuck Colson said this. I thought it was a great statement. He said, the greatest single scandal in evangelical assemblies, and I can really only speak for that, is the low regard individual Christians have for the church. It's alarming, present day movements in Christianity that have so degraded the church that people don't want to be in church. And I'm going to tell you, when you don't want to be in church, you're despising the family of God because it's a great mystery that Christ established his family, his body is the church. And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. But yet we live as if the church is insignificant. And so the great mystery of Christ is a man who's the preacher, is the family, which is the church. And then I see in our text here is our God, the glorification. In verse 19, the last part, says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then in verse 20, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that ye ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so notice our God, the glorification, is based upon the fact of a comprehensively understood that God is the one that gets the glory. Man doesn't get the glory. Organizations don't get the glory. Jesus Christ gets all the glory. And so he said, you need to be filled with the fullness of God. And uh, what good is it if we come to church? What good is it if we say we're a Christian and we're not being filled with the reality of who God is? And so we need to comprehensively understand our God in his working in his will and his way in our life. Why? Because when that takes place, our God is glorified. Not only that, but abundantly revealed in verse 20. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. How? According to the power that worketh in us. And so when we allow the power of God to flow through us, we experience a move of God in us, uh, then our God is glorified and he is lifted up. You know, the world needs to see a God that is strong and a God that is powerful in your life. They need to see more than you just saying, I'm a Christian. They need to see that when you pray for something, I mean, things get done. I mean, when you take a stand for things, things improve. I'm just saying this, that our God needs to be glorified because of the fact that he is the one that gives us the power 
and goes beyond what you can even dream of taking place. I mean to tell you, God has done things that I never thought would happen in my life. I've seen God work in other people's lives I never thought would ever happen to other people. So it is abundantly revealed. And when God reveals himself uh, extraordinarily, uh, God gets the glory because man can't do it. And then there's gloriously exalted. Unto him be glory in the church by, Je uh, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Let me just challenge you with this. The glorification of God is to go from generation to generation. The glorification of God is that, okay, well, as old timers, we went to church. And it made a difference in our lives. But the young people, you need to understand, young people, they, they really, you know, they, their interests are somewhere else. No, sir. Because when there is a disconnect, there is a disregard for the glorification of God. And what God has done in the past, God wants to do in the present. And what God is doing in the present, he wants it to extend to the future. And the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ, through the preacher of God, uh, for God, the man, uh, is to reveal the way of God and the abundance of God so that our God might be glorified. You read John chapter 17. John 17 is all about Jesus Christ being bringing glory to his Father in heaven. And that's the type of relationship we're supposed to have. And so our God, the glorification. Jerry Bridges said this. He said, the person who fears God seeks to live all of life to, glorify, uh, to, glory, to the glory of God. All the activities of life should be pursued with the aim of glorifying God. Let me read that again. The person who fears God seeks to live all of life to the glory of God. That's every area of your life. That's every moment of your life. That's every experience in your life. All the activities of life should be pursued with the aim of glorifying God. There is, listen, there is never a moment when the Christian is to live their life in a way that does not bring glory to Jesus Christ. When we do that, we are revealing that we do not comprehend the mystery of Christ. Because Christ will be glorified through us. His Father in heaven will be glorified through him. John Piper said this, The apex of glorifying God is enjoying him with the heart. But this is empty emotionalism where that joy is not awakened and sustained by true views of God for who he really is. And that is exactly what the problem is in present day Christianity. Oh, I need to be moved emotionally. I need to be stirred up emotionally, whatever the aspect may be, whatever you do to stir me up, you get me excited. As long as I feel excited, boy, I'm really worshiping God, but I walk out the church door and I don't know anything about God. I haven't experienced the move of God. I haven't gained comprehension of who God is. But boy, we say we're worshiping. No, we're not. Because we are not facing the reality of the mystery of Christ and how he moves through us to bring glory to his Father in heaven. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, I'm not against screens or new songs or innovation. I just don't like the gimmicks. Well, I'll tell you, that touched my heart because I've been trying to figure out how to state what, how I feel. And I said, that's how I feel. 
I'm not against new things, and I'm not against new songs, and I'm not against innovation. I'm not against technology. I'm not against all those things. I'm sick and tired of the gimmicks in churches. He said, I want to know when worship is over that that leader's sole purpose was to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. This whole concept of glorifying God gets lost in the reality of our social media and all this, that, and the other. And we, we do not or will not connect with the reality of the mystery of Christ. Here it is, concluding thoughts. Mystery of Christ, God calls a man. Not anybody in particular, he just calls a man. I just can't believe back in 1979, God touched my heart and he called me to preach. I still don't know why. I still haven't figured it out. I've enjoyed the life he's given me, but I don't understand it. He calls a man. Who is that man? He's the preacher. And the preacher has a responsibility to open up the word of God and proclaim the truths that are in the word of God so that we might bring glory to God. You might be the preacher that's in the nursing home. You might be the preacher in the Sunday school class. And I'm not just talking about a pulpit ministry. I'm talking about every individual that God wants to use to proclaim the truths that are in the word of God. God calls a man. It's a mystery. How, how can he work in a heart of an individual? How does God impress on a person's heart that I want you to preach the word of God? That's a mystery of Christ. But he does it. So God calls a man, the preacher, to do what? He builds a family. God builds a family. And the family that God builds is the church. The family is not something else. The family is the church. And we need to renew our understanding that the mystery of Christ is that he connects us together through the body of Christ, which is the living church. And so we want to be able to realize that God receives the praise. When God calls a man, the preacher, God builds a family, the church, God receives the praise. Why is that? Because that's the glory. And the glory is that he is exalted and he is reverenced and he is loved and he is preached and he is revealed and he is worshiped. God gets the glory. The mystery of Christ. It's an amazing thing because you can't describe, you can't explain, you can't orchestrate it, you can't figure it out intellectually. It is a supernatural thing that Christ does through a man and a family to receive glory. That's of God. That's not something man can duplicate. That's what God does. And that's what Paul's telling us about in this chapter he said, I want you to know and be aware of the mystery of Christ. I hope you understand how powerful a life you have as you walk with Christ and as he works in your life in a great way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I stand amazed when I read the scriptures, when I think of all that Christ has proclaimed or revealed to us, when I think of the mystery of the Lord. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how it takes place, but I know you do it. I watch it all the time. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning that's not saved, they may not comprehend it, they may not understand it, and they might not even know why you're willing to save them, Lord, but you will.
Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction on their hearts that they might come and receive Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for each person here that is saved that we might realize the great privilege we have uh, to proclaim the gospel of Christ to others. And through that opportunity, Lord, we're building the family of God as Christ converts those souls. And Lord, our Father in heaven is glorified. Help us, O oh Lord, to surrender our lives completely to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.